Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Dave the Sano, joined, as always, by the Sean Connery. To my Clint Eastwood, it's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Shockingly well. Yeah, and our very own Charles Bronson. That's right, it's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, hey, how you doing, buddy? this ain't over. All right, well, there was a football... I was waiting for you to just make harmonica sounds. <laughs> there was, oh no, uh, there was a Super Bowl played this week, and I'll be honest, it was one of the uh, greatest games played in in the Super Bowl. It's a very exciting game, 38-35, uh, close game throughout, so let's talk about some of the things. First of all, we got to talk about the anthem. I bet over like max units. Cause I like kind of really thought about it after the podcast. I was like, I did say it. This guy's songs are all kind of slow. It went way over. He's saying so slow. What was, what was oh, up wait, with that? It, Why was didn't, it? Didn't it time out at I the perfect it. time? It was like one second yeah. over. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't actually that far over, but, but like, it was just like, he sang so slow. It was there. There was no like embellishment or anything. Just his pace was just like, it was, it was very, twang. he had a twang. You know, like I liked it. I dug it. Okay. Um, but let's get into the meat and potatoes of the game. You know, 30-35, wonderful game. We'll talk about some of the specifics of the football part of it, but we got to talk about the most important thing, the commercials. Okay. Um, so what was the best commercial to you guys? For me, uh, the, the Boston one, the Sam Adams commercial where it like starts off where it's like happy Boston, like Kevin Garnett's all like teaching love. And then, uh, Red Sox and Yankees fans are hugging and there's like recycling. People are recycling and stuff. And then it just turns into like the real Boston. <laughs> and That's I don't know funny. why that would just kill me. I thought that was so funny. Just like a because what's yeah, funny is when you said the Boston one, I thought immediately that you're going to talk about the Affleck working at a donkey's because oh, like, what's more Boston than that? Did you like do you like uh, American runs on uh, Duncan Duncan drive through starring Ben Affleck? Do you like that? Yeah. That was fine. It's just when you said Boston, I was like, oh, that I was, has to be the Boston. I was so disappointed I was te- that they didn't have Casey Affleck's character from the SNL. Stage. Yeah, I was, te- was going to say, I was texting Eric during the game, and Eric was like, they picked the wrong Affleck. Oh, bro, I love <laughs> I go there every day. The when, he's, when, he's smoke, when he's smoking at the door and the door's late, he's like, I'm outside the door. I'm smoking here. I'm not smoking here. I'm not smoking here. I'm cigarettes outside. <laughs> Uh, no, they should have they should have them pull up to the drive through and be like, "Hey, look, can you hook me up with a donut this time? A little bit of coffee, I'll pay you. The next time I come through the drive through, I'll pay you for double." Uh, what, what about what, what stood out? Which one uh, commercial stood out for you? Uh, one of the later ones that just kind of came out of nowhere to shock me was the um, uh, the pop chips uh, with uh, with the yes, Breaking Bad, and not only just Brian Cranston. And uh, what's his name? The other guy from that I can't remember his name from Breaking Bad. Uh, yes, Jesse, Jesse, Jesse or whatever. But also yeah. Aaron, Aaron Paul, Paul. Thank you. Aaron Paul. Uh, just uh, you know, the also having uh, one of the drug dealers come out and reprise their role in a you know pseudo reprise their role that caught me off guard, and I found it very enjoyable. Huge nostalgia yeah. trip, right? Like For just something like that isn't that break, long ago, but kind of is. Yeah, it felt like a nostalgia trip. All right, Kevin. How about you? I, I feel like I know what your answers are going to be. This uh, is really bad. I don't remember commercials very well. Um, but what about what about Dave Grohl with the with the Crown Royal? That was but there was uh, gratitude. That was that was solid. Yeah, yeah. Was, I know you. I know you love Dave. Grohl. I I liked the, I thought the commercial was funny. I didn't remember it was for Crown Royal. Uh, okay. Other standouts for me: premature electrification. Yes, I don't remember that at all. The Dodge Ram one. I don't know why they just went really like. Here's the thing: really hard on that. At first, it was stupid. I was like, "This is not funny," but they leaned so hard into it that eventually it came back around, and I was like laughing again. Like at first, I was like, "This is so stupid." This is, but then by the end of the commercial, I was like laughing again because it's like they just leaned into it so hard. Um, And then the hold music, Bud Light. Did you guys saw that? That That was all right. I appreciated the commercial for Blue Moon, looking like it was going to be a Coors commercial. Uh, which Blue Moon is owned by Coors, <laughs> but then it's actually a Blue Moon commercial. Uh, you know, as a as a fan of Blue Moon, that that was like, hey, that's my commercial. And on a personal level, I love the DoorDash one that we got. We get groceries with the like Raekwon the chef and oh, cash rolls everything it's around me. And all stuff. the chefs, but I was like, and all of a sudden like, you saw you see Raekwon, and you're like, oh, it's the chefs. Oh, it's amazing. 
Yeah, which I I uh, I I was like, how many people out of the you know thirty million people who watch this are going to understand this like kind of medium deep deep Wu Tang reference? Like, like <laughs> I don't know. I was like, I this is this kind of is for me. Like, this is for me, Eric and 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 Brett. You know, this is who that uh, was for. There are some there are some bad ones. Uh, that Deion Sanders family reunion thing with the yogurt. That was pretty dumb. Could, uh, could live without any, that. The Michelob Ultra. I, I couldn't stand that. Like the Caddyshack remake, the Caddyshack homage. Oh, was that what the Caddyshack one was? I, I knew it was some beer it thing. Was, that was, those were all bad. It was just like, I'm really sick of Tony Romo. Like I've been sick of him since uh, he was a cowboy. But like... Jack Harlow and that triangle thing, Eric? What'd you think of that? Uh, he was fine. Here's the thing. I don't know who I Jack Harlow that. is. So exactly. when I saw the gimmick about I mean, the triangle, I, do, and I, I was, was like, like eh, that's fine. And then that TurboTax commercial with the dancing. I, I don't. What What about TurboTax is fun to anyone? Like, hey, I, man, they are desperately. Tra- oh, what about uh, Bradley Cooper and his mom? That just felt like mm, no okay. one cares. Okay. There was that dog commercial actually where they tried to get you to cry. Did you like that one? Uh, I, I don't understand that. What's the point of that? Uh, so, well, Sarah McLaughlin was in it. So they were. But like, what's the point of like these dog commercials where they like try to get you to cry? I hey man, guilt. Do you talk about the one where the guy takes the dog to work with him because the dog's being like a jerk because it's getting left at home? No, it's the um, this is one. It was like a wasn't it like a beer commercial in the middle of the woods. It does. It does not even remember. It and I didn't write it. I didn't write it down. I just wrote. I it wrote was, dog it was bush, commercial bush that makes cold, you. cold and smooth. <laughs> I wrote dog commercial trying to make you cry. What's the point? That's what I, that's what I wrote. That's my note for that. Because I just don't get commercials like that where they're. I don't want to cry. Like cry during a commercial. It's so weird. It's so weird. Emotional pull. To, it makes me. Doesn't make me want to buy your product. I've got one. Oh, that yeah. I've got one. I'd love to drink. But I'd rather drink bush heavy because. <laughs> Because they had a dog commercial that tried to make hey, me man, cry. Like, is it a just powerful makes me mad. See, it's it's powerful. It's making you mad. What about the Adam Driver commercial? It was it. odd. Just I watch didn't, it. I didn't write it. Oh, it was. It was. Uh, Wait, was that the uh, avocados? Was that avocados from? No, Mexico? it's for Squarespace. It was, oh, but it was also kind of alluding to his dinosaur movie coming. Yeah, out. but it was like super serious. Like it would have been yeah. funny. Yeah, that was weird. Anyway, I can't wait for that dinosaur movie. Personally, okay. Did you uh, see that it's like a 93-minute runtime or something like that? Whoa. Great. Perfect. Oh, so good. It's Jurassic like a 90-minute dinosaur movie. I can't wait. Sci-fi Jurassic Park. I'm way, I'm way in. Okay, so Super Bowl reaction. First thing we got to talk about. Before we talk about the game, we got to talk about the build-up to the game, in which the San Francisco 49ers spent a whole week <laughs> talking about how much the Philadelphia Eagles suck. Jimmy Ward goes out and says that they're they're trash and they don't have anyone and that the they're not going to get any pressure on the on the Chiefs which turned out to be true but, but that's just it, because Arizona's field sucks. Yeah. 38-35. Like it, they, they they it was a high scoring game. Um I think uh it was uh Debo said that they would have beat them by two touchdowns if their quarterback didn't get Wait 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 wait. I would just like to point out he's saying that Brock Purdy is worth what? 24 plus 14 is 38 <laughs> points. So he's a, he's a 38 point handicap all on his uh, own. That's every, Scott, put that out that's every 49ers quarterback. <laughs> and in an, in an absolute coup, the kicker also did an interview <laughs> where he said that Philadelphia was not good and that they should have beat them and that, that it was garbage. I, okay. You gotta love cry baby franchise. You gotta love one, a couple things. One, how, but yes, cry babies, but two, um, how they're giving the Chiefs all this bulletin board material. Philadelphia kept their mouth shut. They did what they were supposed to do. They got ready, prepared for the game. Like if you're on the Eagles, Eric, how do you feel that the team you just destroyed, dismantled, uh, to get to the Super Bowl is now giving your opponent all of this bulletin board? I mean, that material? that'd make me mad. But ultimately, I think the Eagles looked at it like, "What a bunch of babies. We will address this next season." <laughs> because believe me, Ooh, the. First place schedule. Yeah, well, you want uh, you want a, a a rivalry in the making. This is it. You know, you you can beat a team Eagles. in the playoffs once. Like Seattle never really had a rivalry with the Panthers, even though we knocked them out of the playoffs twice. You'd think that that would be a big rivalry for the Panthers. Never was. But this this is going to be like must see TV next year for me. Well, Carolina's fan base is a little different, but if there's one thing we know about Philly fans, it's that they're perfectly reasonable and don't hold grudges about anything. Unless someone brings well, in packs of batteries <laughs> to a game and then something turns yeah, them so off. Yeah, so let's, let's, 
So let's get to the actual game. The game goes to start Dak Prescott. Walter May- Payton, man of the year, comes out, and the Eagles fans greet him. That was a big chorus. <laughs> it's, the, it's the Cowboys quarterback. You got to love that. That's, that's There's the all the response. great things this man has oh, done. Man. Boo. <laughs> He's helping charity. Boo, we don't care. Dude, I mean, we Dak learned. Dak Prescott learned. could have personally cured cancer, and Philly and Philly fans would be like, "You suck." <laughs> we we learned from Russell Wilson's charity uh, now being in the news for only giving twenty five percent of the money to charity uh, that that you can win Walter Payton Man of the Year, and maybe it doesn't have quite the the meaning that it did uh, before that because yeah, Russ's charity has shown to be a. A little bit sketchy. So the game, though, the Let's game itself, <laughs> game itself, Eric, uh, 38-35, back and forth classic. What were, your, what were your feelings just overall on the on the actual game? Enjoyable. One, we talked about this season how the the NFL wasn't like that great of a product this year or the last couple of years. Yeah, no, and felt like there was no great teams, no, right? No, there's that. And also, like, just for me, outside of Seahawk football, I don't care. Like, this was a guy in me that I would just be, I'd be stoked for that. Here's a guy. Here's a guy. In that first week, like, ooh, it's uh, Washington football team versus the Giants in week one. And I'd be like, I don't care about these teams, but it's football. It's back. I'm so excited. And now it was like, I only care about the Seahawks. I don't even care about games that affect the Seahawks. I want to know the score, but I don't want to watch it. Um, and for this game, I was I was into it. I liked it. It was it was a nice little casual watch where I didn't have a rooting interest, and uh, I got to totally enjoy it. Felt good. So going into the game, I felt like, ah, oh, man, I just don't really know who I'm rooting for. I just kind of like both these teams. Jalen Hurts, very likable. You know the way he ground up after getting benched in the championship game. You know, just like the way just his attitude and and leadership is just truly like one top notch, a plus in the NFL. So I like the Eagles, but I also just love Patrick Mahomes, you know, the the most humble best player in the world that we've ever had, right? Like he just doesn't seem like he has like a gigantic ego or anything. He's and, such a uh, nice guy that him putting ketchup on stuff doesn't bother you as much. Yeah, <laughs> as much. He seems he seems coachable, like an approachable, like just a all around like cool dude. And Andy Reid's great. So it's like and Nick Sirianni was funny during week. I mean, I did sour a little bit on Sirianni when he was crying during the national anthem. I was like, bro. Dude. <laughs> give me a effing break like <laughs> come on but but i but i do i just think like it, i like these guys like i'm like i i don't care who wins so i was like having a trouble like getting really excited about the game but like once i started watching i got sucked in because the game was really good like and i mean yes it's more exciting to have points than no points like when we've had close super bowls in the past rams patriots where no one could score and it was not fun to watch this game, obviously, like teams are back and forth. Jalen Hurts is having a day. Oh, there's a fumble return for a touchdown, and oh, these uh, the Kansas City's taking advantage of these whip routes and like really messing up the the secondary coverage for the for the Eagles. And, um, and it wasn't I mean, bad defense; it was good offense. Yeah, it was good offense, like all around. And then Mahomes just had this hero performance, right? And so, like you know, he's got the hurt ankle, and you could tell he's not hundred percent. You know, you could tell he's he's actually hurt, but. He's just he's he's out there and he's just crushing it. And his offensive line stood up for him and and you know kept him clean. Only five pressures, zero sacks. Like this is this is a I mean, game ball to the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line, to be honest with you. That was the difference in the game. And so for me, I just I thought it was a really fun football game, a really great football game, and um kind of a showcase of what you know the top of the NFL looked like this year. These were the top two teams. This is the one seed in the AFC and the one seed in the NFC. Like these were the best teams. And uh, they got to show it. And I thought it was really cool. I was really pleased with um, with everything. Like, I just thought it was really fun. And um, glad I, I'm glad I, I did take the time to sit down at the beginning and let myself get sucked into it. Because, yeah, it was it was really, really good. So, yep, that's my uh, that's my reaction. Uh, Kevin, from a from an X's and O's perspective, you said it was a great offense. And I agree. Like, what were some of the things that you saw that were kind of cool about these, these offenses? Because they did it totally different ways. Uh, yeah, I thought... Philadelphia did a good job of always keeping a run threat. Um, You know, they have a stable of backs. They have a lot of ways of kind of getting the ball out to the perimeter. So even using like the screen game and uh, kind of routes. 
I'm not going to let Miles Sanders off the hook like that. He's trash. <laughs> but, but, but the, but the yeah. scheme was good. Scheme like, was good. But, think what? how good your scheme has to be to make Miles, uh, Miles Sanders not look like trash. When they, when they ran outside zone on like third and one to Miles Sanders, I was so he mad. He just ran into the back of his own He just ran into the back of, no, he ran in the back of like a wide receiver. Like he got way to the outside and just ran into the back. So it's like, dude, there was like eight different gaps you could have ran. Miles Sanders going to Miles Sanders. on the way here. That's just classic Miles. Anyway, go, as 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 you were, I just wanted when you said stable of backs, I was like, I hate Miles Sanders. And <laughs> Nathan's just shouting at the TV, draft Bijan Robinson. Please draft him at that with that top pick, or just use Kenneth Gainwell more. I don't even care. I know he's small. Let him get hurt. I don't care. Anyway, <laughs> but uh, Gainwell and Boston Scott both were really good. Like the using the short game, um, Hertz had one of his more inaccurate games. And uh, like they still schemed well enough to overcome that. So it was it was nice to see the way that they forced Kansas City to cover the entire field, whereas on the Kansas City side, it was a lot of um, giving the defense too many things to cover in a small area. So like, OK, um, on the right hash, you have two people defending and we're going to put three routes going through there and you're going to have to figure out a way to uh, like cover all three guys and putting a guy in motion all the time. Yep. They put they put guys in motion around jet action and stuff, and then they would figure out how Philadelphia is going to react to that motion and use that to their advantage. They totally they they totally gamed them like they they, yeah, out, they worked they out, their out, linebackers hard. Their def- the Eagles defense could have adjusted to what the Chiefs were doing, but like their coaching was not good enough. Whoever their defensive coordinator is, is like not, he's not so depressing though. Like (laughs) this was supposed to be a, you know, Philly defense, Philly offense. And I don't, I don't want to say anyone was robbed, but man, Jalen hurts. What an amazing performance that counts for nothing. I mean, I mean, we kind of said it in the pre pregame, right? Like we said, this is Andy Reid and Mahomes versus the, the Eagles. And like, we it bore out like Andy Reid and Mahomes were just better. They planned better. They game plan better. And and the Eagles defense couldn't couldn't adjust. They couldn't adjust to what the Kansas City was throwing at them. Like Kevin said, they had the they would overload areas of the field, or they would run guys in jet motion, and they just just create mismatches all over the field, make it really difficult for the Eagles defense. Yeah, That's and tough. then just what a what an impressive coaching job this season watching the uh, Kansas City offense kind of evolve when like. Hands down, their best wide receiver was shipped off. And everyone assumed things were going to take a step back. It's kind of a stable of nobodies. Uh, Nathan's favorite player, Sky Moore, shows up with two touchdowns in this game. No, just one. Just one. If there was two, I think I would have killed myself. <laughs> I drafted Sky Moore in the top seven, and I drafted him seventh in Dynasty. I was like so excited about Sky Moore. I was like, oh, yeah, it's a gadget player. He'll be so good. They'll figure this out how to use This could be the launching game for the rest of his career. No, it's Kadarius Tony had a touchdown, and that's the guy. I would I would trade Kadarius oh, Tony Kadarius Tony kick return was so good. He's good. He's the the thing is is that they were doing those. The, um, I think in the post game, Andy Reid called him corn dog. Called it corn dog. Yeah, because so, it's the best thing a corn dog with a little ketchup and mustard. <laughs> and then the guy goes, the guy goes, you go, you have Patrick go in the huddle and say corn dog. You don't have him say corn dog. He goes, yeah, he says corn dog. And then, <laughs> and then the call, and there's yes, a tweet of Michael Hardman, Hardman is- and he's like, Michael Hardman, it just says, it says, it says, KT number 10, baby, corn dog with like 15 exclamations. <laughs> this is uh, Kevin, when Kevin hosted the podcast, I love this is, uh, we talked about the Andy Reid Bowl. This is more or less what we were talking about. <laughs> corn dog, man. Uh, corn Andy dog was the best. Corn dog was goaded, dude. I, I mean, it's just cool. Like. They, they have these concepts they can go to and they do the stupid merry-go-round thing where they like run around in circles before the play starts. But that's all all they're trying to do is just see what the defense re- how the defense reacts because then on the very next play they will come they will come at, at you with something like corn dog that, that you will have trouble dealing with because they they found your tendency and it's what the great offensive minds in this league do. Uh, we, we've seen it for years with Brady and McDaniel's they were perfectly in sync they would see what the defense gives them and the very next play have the perfect thing to just destroy what the other team was trying to do i I really hope new england's able to put together a reasonable offense because i want to see this version of kansas city against uh bill trying to coach up a new england defense against it like that chess match is so good Mm -hmm. that'd be really fun that i think 
I think uh, Andy Reid seems like he really wants Eric Bieniemy to get a new job. So I'm rooting for that <laughs> season. But it's just funny how every interview it seems like he's because Andy Reid's been very gracious about that though. Like he's always tried to get his guys hired, and he is just trying so hard to get Bieniemy that head coaching job. That let's be honest, at this point he. He must be the worst interview of all time if he hasn't He's gotten got some <laughs> horrendous baggage. True with the Colorado stuff, but like it, he must be because you yeah, know so his that, interview must really highlight the baggage. Like he's it's got, not, it's he not like shows he shows up with like, red flags hanging off his shoulders. It's not like he smoked a joint or anything. He probably just like hit women or whatever. It's NFL doesn't care about that. Okay, sorry guys, I was a, that poor taste joke maybe, but like I, you're I right. Just, in the NFL, NFL doesn't does care about care. it. They don't. That's the NFL true. At least didn't bet on a game. Yeah, if he bets on a game, that's a one-year suspension. But uh, if you get domestic violence, maybe maybe you get you get a couple of weeks. I, NFL, I have some Cry moral issues. Teams. Maybe we'll talk about it in the offseason. Maybe maybe we'll do a moral issues episode, and I'll just like rant about how much the NFL makes me angry. Great for I, the Patreon, we'll do a moral issues eliminator. Um, <laughs> all right, let's get to the let's get to Mount the- Rushmore of NFL moral issues. I mean, oh, there's so many. Con- Concussions, the fave five concern. moral issues. Least, Eric, what? Least, <laughs> least fave five. Um, all right, let's talk about Geno Smith. So, Dave Wyman on KJR says that Geno's asking for forty million as Good that's their, things. That's their starting point. So, let's just start with this. None of us want that, correct? We're all in agreement. Forty million is way too much. Yes, correct. Yeah, yes. yeah. Eric, you're with me on that? Okay. So here's the thing I think the Seahawks got to do. We went through this with Jadavian Clowney, a player who is pretty good. I mean, I don't know. He hasn't been awesome since he left, but he's a talented football player. We set a line. We said, this is how much we want to pay you. You can go out and find other deals. And if you want to come back, our deal will be on the table until X day. Okay. I think they got to do something like that with Gino. There has to be an amount that they are unwilling to go over. And if Gino can find more elsewhere, good for him. We're happy for him. Happy trails, Gino. If they're if they cannot find someone, or if he can't find someone, then great. He signs our deal. Um, and I think that deal's gotta be lower than 30. It's gotta be like 25 yeah, a year or something. I mean, like we can do a quick we don't have to if you want to, but Look at the teams. Oh, do it. Go ahead and go down the list of teams. Who is going to one approach Gino and say, "Hi, Gino, we'd like to give you X amount of money that isn't an insult." Uh, serious offer teams, and then what do you think their max offer is? That list is pretty small. Uh, can I can I preempt that Absolutely. real quick? Before so, we go over the list, uh, just a couple quarterback deals to keep in mind. Okay. So Cousins uh, is on a one-year thirty-five million dollar deal. Uh, Jared Goff is on a $33.5 million a season deal. And Tannehill signed a four-year, $118 million deal that's got two years left. That's halfway through. So to give an idea of, I think we can all say those are quarterbacks that are similar tier to Geno. I would hate to pay them. All of those teams are somewhat hamstrung by the, those contracts. I those agree. Con- those contracts hurt all of those teams. I mean, we can go through it. So, obviously, Bills will have Josh Allen. Jags will have Trevor Lawrence. The ja- Chargers will have Herbert. The Eagles will have Hurts. The Browns will have Deshaun Watson. <laughs> <laughs> the Broncos will The Broncos will have Russell Wilson. The That's Cowboys right. will have Prescott. The Vikings The Vikings are going to roll back Kirk Cousins. They went, f- what, 13 wins last year or whatever. Yeah. The Steelers will probably be with Pen- Kenny Pickett. The Patriots with Mac Jones. The Bears with Justin Fields. Well, Mac Jones isn't a guarantee, but yeah, they'll probably – I think Mac Jones is. I think I think Kevin is onto something there. That's like that's a question mark for me. Okay, I'm pretty confident Mac Jones will be back. I mean, it's hard to for them to completely move on unless they can draft a rookie, and they're too far down in the draft. And I I don't think they're going to go get a veteran, so unless they're very cheap. Uh, Lions, Goff, probably. Then you get into like the the maybes, Tannehill. With the Titans, Purdy with the Niners, Falcons with Ritter. You're talking about Purdy's the goat, definitely. Not yeah, I don't, I don't know Purdy. if they would go. Purdy's hurt. Yeah, but they, they still uh, want. I mean, uh, and, Trey Lance and uh, you know whoever else. Right, exactly. You think so that the that, Niners would sign him out of spite though? It seems. I agree. I don't think that they can. I, I don't think that they can spend money at quarterback mm-hmm. because they basically are too invested in Lance and Purdy as a backup option. I would kick him off the board as well. I'm with you. All right, so. 
So yeah, so I mean, either way, they're they're not going to draft a quarterback. So like they're 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 out of this uh, conversation. The Falcons maybe they draft a quarterback, maybe they're in on getting a guy, but I don't. They want a veteran. Okay, so Falcons are probably out as well. It depends on what of- they think of Ritter. Apparently, he played all right, but like yeah. I don't know if he played well enough for you to like not upgrade. Okay, and then so then Cardinals. I mean, they're going to wait for Kyler to come back. Yep. The Rams will wait for Stafford to come back. The Dolphins are going to wait for Tua to come back. So then here's the situations where we might have seen new quarterbacks. Seahawks, Giants, if they don't want dimes. Which the Ravens. They're saying they, now that that is possibly, never mind, we're going to we're gonna keep Danny Dimes. Yeah. <laughs> if you made me guess, like if you put a gun to my head, I would say they have, they end up with Jones back at, on a pretty yeah. decently team-friendly deal. Um, and then Lamar with the Ravens. This, I mean, Lamar is a This is the agent. first team that I'm like, you know, I get the Kill Bill siren. Like, oh, the Ravens could make a play here. Harbaugh is just smart enough and crazy enough to do it. Okay, but I then, feel like if Lamar is out, that takes one of the other teams we're talking about out of the market instead. So it's just a it's just a swap, basically. Then Raiders are going to need a new quarterback. They just cut Carr today. Yeah. The Saints are going to need a new quarterback. That seems like they're going to go after Derek Carr. That seems like his most likely landing spot. Packers will have Jordan Love. And I think that that's probably <laughs> who they will go with. The yeah. Manders, the Manders need a quarterback. Um, the Bucks will need a quarterback. The Jets will need a quarterback. Oh. The Texans, Colts, and Panthers will need quarterbacks. But all those teams want to probably want to go. And Jets, I think, are out well. because of Geno history. So you think? So yeah, Jets, I don't think the Jets are in for Geno. The Jets seem like the Aaron Rodgers landing spot to me. They or Jimmy like, G. I think I think Vegas. I think Vegas is where. You will see Aaron Rodgers. Okay, well, whichever one gets Royers, I think Jimmy G goes to the. Okay, other that's one. I think that's. Fair. I mean, that just I just kind of like or, those those. Or Jimmy spots G kind of goes means to the Seahawks. Don't. Teams realistically looking for a new quarterback that might sign Geno is like Commanders, Buccaneers, Seahawks. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's three it. or four teams. That's it. Three or four teams max. Yeah, that's so Commanders, Buccaneers, Seahawks. Like none of these teams. Do is you think give the Buccaneers, Ravens, or? Or managers <clears throat> are going to go over if, thirty million. If, if we sign, I don't think if they we, have the cap space to really do it. I mean, we can look at the, their cap situations, but most can you teams, imagine remember, the cap is a, any, just remember the cap is a lie. So don't don't forget that. But like right now, the commanders have eight million in cap space. Not gonna okay, happen. and for ne- going into next year. And what was the other team so I said? The, well, I said the Ravens the Bucks, and you said the Bucks. The Buccaneers are fifty five million over the cap right now. Right. I mean, they get they get thirty five of that back just by cutting Brady. So that's still that. It's still over. <clears throat> so what about the Ravens if yeah. they get rid of Lamar Jackson? Lamar Jackson goes to Atlanta. Ravens at twenty six. So Ravens could come in with like a twenty million. And that's my deal. Team, but yeah. still, that's not forty million. That so that's the thing is we can offer him twenty to twenty five. I think and get it done. I don't think it's unreasonable for us to think that. And he can say. I'm worth 40 till he's blue in the face. And maybe that's true on a, like a truly open market, but I just don't think that's what the market is right now. That's not what the market looks like. And the Seahawks have to be disciplined in a situation like this, because if we can keep his price low enough, I think there's a real opportunity for us to like make a run, like to really think about like looking at the free free agents who are out there and saying like, Hey, we can get a couple really good players to fill out our roster. If we sign Gino to, the south even the even the the uh franchise tag number it's trouble like it starts to it starts to yeah get 32 bad. all guaranteed is difficult because you can't play games with that like it's just a straight 32 off the cap whereas if we signed them to like a three-year deal that averages to 25 and we give them the right amount of guarantees to make them comfortable taking like 18 or 20 this year and we're going to pay them a little more the next couple years then you can kind of you can make you can massage the numbers to make it so that we can fit like two good contracts under the under the cap. Yeah. So let's talk about some of these guys that if we can get Gino back on a re- more reasonable deal, some of the guy players you might see us able to sign uh, because of that. So if, let's start with uh, let's start a guard. Um, I think the most interesting guard player to me that we could take a look at is Nate Davis. Uh, Nate Davis is probably going to end up with a contract in the neighborhood of six to eight million dollars a year. Um, And he's played three consecutive, really solid seasons for the Tennessee Titans. He was a he's a really good run blocker and he is improved every year as a pass blocker. 
Um, just a player who could fill out our roster really nicely at a position of somewhat need if we uh, can get Geno back, like I said, at a more reasonable price. So is there any guard, um, interior offensive lineman that stuck out to you, Kevin, when you were looking? Um, if we want to like really sure up center, I think Connor McGovern is uh, a really stable center, and he'll be like in that 7 to $8 million range. Um, I kind of like the idea of drafting a center just because of the way this class is, but... Um, he, he's really the only center that stuck out to me. Uh, Dalton Reisner, along with Nate Davis, were the two at guard in that cap space. Or Will Hernandez coming off of... Um, he's been improving. Uh, he's a decent fit. Uh, so Will Hernandez, you could get around like three to five mil. And that's a small enough contract too, where if you draft someone and he ends up being kind of your backup guard at both guard positions, that's not terrible. Now, Eric, mm-hmm. what if we finally got that number three receiver, that guy who we could play at number three receiver, who maybe could be, you know, not just good, but but truly great? What what would you think? I of mean, that? I'd love it. We need it. You have a <laughs> you have a great you have two great receivers right now, but one is aging, and one is you can't put everything on DK. Sorry, not that type yeah. of player. I want to get a guy. I want to get a guy who could take the pressure off the defense a little bit, who can. Or on, off the other guys a little bit, who can uh, play a little bit. I also want a guy with a story because you know Pete Carroll loves a comeback. Story. Can I also? That's what Pete Carroll's all about. Can I about, put a desire right? in here too? I don't want yeah, a journeyman ahead. who people would say ah he could have a really good season. I want someone he doesn't need to be a superstar. Not what I'm saying, but I want him to be established. Someone where you're like, oh, cool. Yeah, exactly. That's why I think we should go if we go for a, a wide receiver. We should. Give that one year, seven, eight million dollar contract to Michael Thomas. Ooh. And I know like he's been hurt a lot, but there is very re- he is a very good football player, like very, very good when he's he's elite. He set he was getting all the receptions in 2019. I think coming off that season, many people would have said he's the best wide receiver in football. Now, last year he was good until he got hurt and it has been tough. But this is a pretty weak free agent wide receiver class, and I think this is the best story out of any of these guys. I mean, unless you really want to say Odell Beckham, but with all the legal problems and stuff, I'm less. Well, interested in. I'd rather take I'd rather take the head case than the guy who's getting thrown how off. How many the teams has he bailed on? Every single one of them. Yeah, he, no interest. Like even last year, he, he was trying to come back and then just kind of <clears> blew it off. So yeah, I mean there are better wide receivers available, but I think Jacoby Myers is actually going to be kind of expensive because of just the lack of talent in this class. And then uh, I don't really. It's a lot of number three receivers that you're overpaying for. I really don't want Juju Smith-Schuster over Michael Thomas because I think Michael Thomas you can get him in on the the one year prove it deal because he's he's looking for that that after that that last big signing bonus. Whereas if you sign Juju, I think you got to give him like three years and significant guarantees, and that's just like gross i don't want to i don't want to do that um alan lazard is good and really big but i just don't want to pay him and i think he's going to get money (coughs) so that's that's basically it that's my review of the uh the wide receiver class the tight end class is interesting you could go after evan ingram and just play him in the slot all the time like jacksonville did i just don't know how much evan ingram costs in this market i it's like you could tell me any number and if there were two guys like ever ever ingram level that you could get and they would be affordable like on the cheap I'd be into that too, but like you said, I, I think that he's going to command a little too much, which is like no interest for me. Yeah, Evan Ingram could end up being like ten oh. million a year, which oh. I just couldn't do. Yeah, it'd be hard to stomach, but the but he you can't deny the talent. He was very good in Jacksonville this year. The way they utilized him as just a big slot receiver and or even playing him outside a lot, that really really good stuff. All right, on defense, there's a huge position to need Kevin, middle linebacker. What are some middle linebackers that stood out to you? This is, I mean, we don't know. We don't know when Jordan will be back, right? The injury was serious. Um, we hope that he will be back to start the season, but you never know. And Cody Barton is a free agent. So we are left with like Ben Burkirvan as our number one linebacker right now. And he's coming off of the uh, IR reserve list or whatever. So I don't even know yep. what the deal is with that either. So, okay, we need middle linebackers. We got to sign a guy. Is there, when you looked at these players, did any uh, stand out to you? Everyone loves Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, yeah, but I don't think that we can spend like 10 mil on a linebacker. Um, I think we're looking at shopping kind of in the mid-level, stable, knows what he's doing, isn't going to embarrass himself kind of category. 
So a few guys I think are interesting there. Um, Leighton Vander Esch seems to be That's kind of putting his career back together. It's the most stable one. That that stable is what you're looking for. That guy's going to give it to you. I agree. Um, Aziz Al Shair, who's uh, coming out of uh, the 49ers, he was kind of their third linebacker, and if he's able to step into a bigger role, you could see him end up being a pretty value contract. He was kind of blocked by Greenlaw and Warner, and you you don't know like. He could be like the next guy we get from the 49ers who kind of blows up after we sign him. I, I, I liked him as well. Um, two really, really solid, just kind of do your job guys. Um, Denzel Perryman and Corey Littleton are guys that I think you can get for like two, three mil a year that are just like really stable veterans that are going to go out there and like hold down the fort. So they can take Brooks's position and also start next to Brooks, uh, work both ways. And then Perryman is you... Perryman is very good in run defense, by the yeah. way. Just so like not so just not, he just didn't play that many snaps last year. And I, I worry like some of these guys, I worry about that. Like I'll Shahir and Perryman, like maybe you, you got to just sign both of them and then like hope that you can get a full season of snaps because I don't you don't know how they're going to hold up to a thousand snaps. Right. And then the last guy, yeah, exactly. And so that's like that's kind of why I like. Same with Vander Esch, like he has an injury history that you have mm-hmm. to worry about a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so I like the idea of getting two of these guys on the cheap, and then bringing back Muse, and so and that Singleton, we have, and then drafting Singleton, guy. Eric or Singleton, Kevin. You know, Singleton was a OG Seahawks UDFA. You know that. Yep. Alex Singleton. That's pretty cool. It'd be cool to full circle and back to the Seahawks. The um, other one that's interesting is Devin Bush. Okay, yeah. Devin he Bush, was yeah. overdrafted. He didn't find a ton of success in Pittsburgh, but uh, he's got like he's a little short, but he's got really like solid athleticism. He would be interesting. Like I wouldn't mind giving him a little bit of money to see if he can blossom because he's still only like twenty five or twenty six. Do you know who I don't want? Kaiser White. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. Just want to make make sure Kaiser White knows if you're listening. I don't. I don't want you on the Seahawks. Bye. I feel like Kaiser White is slightly more expensive, not as good. Corey Littleton or Denzel Perryman. So I, I'm I feel. With you. I feel like he's just unlimited missed tackles for your for your time. I I don't I don't get it. Okay. Interior defense. Let's just start with this. Okay. I, a lot of people in the Discord and elsewhere will often say stuff to me about how um, we should sign this guy and we should sign this guy. Okay, the Seahawks. Deron Payne is going to be expensive. Do not sign the best guy in any free agent class. We are not getting Javon Hargrave. We are not getting Deron Payne. You could just put those ones in a bubble and float it out into space. Like, it's just not happening. The way we get players like that is they're in their last year of their deal and we trade a second round pick for them. So if you can, if you want a guy like that, go look at who's about to become a free agent and and see, like, hey, the Seahawks could trade a late, a mid-round pick for these guys. That, it's like, because yes, Javon, Har- I agree, Javon Hargrave and Deron Payne are very good at football. But one, we can't afford them if we bring back Geno, especially. And two, mm-hmm. uh, they, they're, they're not coming to Seattle. They're just not coming to Seattle. They're not doing it. It's not happening. It's never. Why is happen. that? I don't know why. Top flight free agents don't want to come here. Like, it's not anything to do with. I don't think it's anything to do with like Pete or the organization. Seattle is very removed from where most of these people grew up. Like most NFL players came from California, Texas, Florida. Like they live in the South. The idea of coming to the most isolated place in the country that's cold for half of the year is relatively, and it rains all the time. Green Bay doesn't get top free agents either. Is relatively unappealing to all these guys. And yes, exactly. You don't see a lot of top free agents running into to green Bay because and another thing too, I think we shot ourselves in the foot a little bit. We play an outdoor stadium. I really think if we played an indoor stadium, it would be easier for us to get free agents. I think that is part of it. Like guys just don't like being cold. I don't like being cold. <laughs> it's just, it's not fun <laughs> to be cold. So anyway, the best, the best guy I think we get is Dalvin Tomlinson. That's like the, I think that's like the best guy. And that is because Dalvin Tomlinson um, can't play more than like 650 snaps. I, he's never done it. And I don't think he's going to start doing it anytime soon. Uh, so that's, that's my, my thing is like, he, he is like a guy you can't, you have to put in a rotation, but, um, Minnesota played him at three tech. The giants played him at nose. He was really good against the run when he was on the giants and he was really good against the pass when he was on Minnesota, which I think kind of shows like his, he's kind of scheme versatile. You know, you, you can kind of get what you need out of him. If we need him 
to be an, a run stuffing nose, he can do that. If we need him to be a pass rushing three technique, he can do that. And I like I like that scheme versatility kind of stuff. Give him the job, he does the job. He is the best player I think we have a chance to get. Now that doesn't mean that if another team sweetens up to him, you know, that, you know, if like the Buccaneers come calling or something, I don't know. It's going to be, it's tough to to compete with those, those teams down there. So then we have to move down the list a little bit. Um, What are, what are some deeper interior defensive linemen that you guys were, uh, were looking at? I don't have a huge list because uh, I am, I am more so in on the draft for these type of players. You you think yeah it it does seem like it'd be easier I, for us I, to improve the I want youth top flight pass yeah and I don't unless there's some guy who's cut youth that we youths youth. yeah if there's there's a guy who's cut that we can kind of like youths. you know sneak in and we'll have money where other teams don't I think that's where the value is but right away like top flight free agents or mid tier lower tier no thanks I think, I think unless we Kevin need can to sign me. one or two bodies. And the reason why is uh, relying on that many people from the draft. Like, I don't think we're bringing Puna Ford back. He's a bad fit. Um, there's a decent chance that Q Jeff is a cap casualty. Uh, but even if he's not, that basically gives us three guys because Monet's not going to be ready at the start of the season. True. And we're looking at a minimum six-man rotation. So a couple of guys I'm looking at. Another guy that's kind of up there in price, but I think is a really good scheme fit, is uh, if we're able to sign Zach Allen, who was with Arizona who Nathan and I both really like coming out of Boston College in the draft, and he'd be an even better fit for this scheme, but I think he's going to make a little too much money for it to work. Not like he made the leap last year. Like he yep. he's he kind of made the jump from, you know, uh, an, an average defensive lineman to a, a very good one. And, yeah, I think he's he's like the top of the – I don't know. We, I mean, it's definitely possible. He's 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 right there with uh, with Dalvin in terms of like guys we have a pot potential to get, but it's going to be hard. Um, Sheldon Rankin stood out to me as just like a guy that you plug into a rotation and he does he does football things and doesn't suck at them. You I know, think he's more of an even front guy, but he's also a good football player, so I could see him translating over well. Yeah, I, I just haven't seen it yet. He's six two three oh five, so I think he could fit in at like the that the um top position, the that, position Shelby, that he didn't Shelby, get to do. Shelby Shelby Harris plays or whatever, you know. I think yeah. he'd be fine. Uh, uh did you see David Onyamata who's coming from New Orleans? Yeah. I think I he'd mean, be a solid rotation player if we could get him around like six, seven mil. Here's the thing. He was very good rotation player, then he pops for drugs and then he played bad. And it makes you Ooh, want make, that's a worry. Yeah. It makes you think. Like, was his performance fueled by the? Was it the, enhanced? The roids, you know, and it's like that. That is worrying to me that he came back from and he was significantly worse. His so like the last two seasons, he played six hundred sixty six snaps. Hail Satan, and he had eighty eight point eight PFF rating. Then twenty twenty one, he plays four thirty at an eighty one point nine. He starts off this season six game suspension. He comes back six hundred eighty two snaps at a sixty four rating, which is like way lower. Than, than the last two seasons. Very, very worrying that made the case. You know a guy I don't want? People will say Draymond Jones. I think Draymond, no. Jones, Draymond Jones was a beneficiary of the defense being good, not uh, Draymond mm. Jones. And he's a penetrating three-tech. We don't need that. That's the opposite of what we're trying to collect. I mean, we we could you could take that guy and like play him. At, we have a spot for him. He wouldn't be... Well, we can draft that guy. Like That's the thing. I, I, I feel like... Run. But yeah, you just... You draft you draft Keon White. It's just, it's the same guy, and it's fourteen million dollars cheaper. What about um, Ashawn Robinson? He could play a couple of different spots on our line. He's going to be super cheap, and he's good against the run. I think Ashawn Robinson might be a really good like bring in a guy on like a two million dollar contract who just makes it so that you don't need to play the rookies quite as much. You know it's going to suck when the mm. Jets when the Jets sign Puna Ford, and then he's awesome. Oh. I don't want to talk about it. And he's like. Cause he, cause he's, cause like he'll go back to the system that he's actually good at, and they'll get him for like two years, ten million, and you're gonna, and we're all gonna be like, yeah, I'd rather pissed. see that than the Niners do it. Uh, we're all gonna be pissed. Um, I would be very upset if the Niners signed him, and he dick shermed us. Yeah, it'd be awful. Um, I will say this one last thing. Um, I don't love uh, the cornerbacks, but uh, I would love to see. You're gonna hate this, Kevin. Marcus Peters, come in, come <laughs> in and compete for the spot across from Avatar. I I like Marcus Peters. I think he is. 
He's boomer bust. <clears throat> he's boomer bust, but he him across from from uh from Tariq would be awesome to me. And he this is the okay, this season was the first season that he did not record multiple interceptions in a season. Um but he got a lot better as the season went on. If you look at his grades, like his powers his powers grew on a week to week basis. And so that's kind of why I want to get to get Marcus Peters cuz it's like Maybe we can get him at a really, really good price because he started off the season slower, and then you understand what I'm saying. I don't. Well, and he was coming off of missing the entire 2021 season with injury, so starting off the season a little slower makes a lot of sense. He played college ball at UW, so clearly he doesn't mind going to the Seattle area. Um, that so to me, it's a cost question. If we can get him on a pretty team friendly deal, I would love to bring him in and have him compete for that spot. Two fifteen. That's what I think. I think that's all it takes. Two fifteen with some decent guarantees, which I think is it's a real perfect. good cornerback draft, though. Perfectly fine. Yes, that's the other thing, though. Is it? Yeah. If you if you want, I love the cornerbacks in this draft. I've talked to you about it in the Discord quite a bit. We'll talk about the draft so much. I don't want to. I don't want to spend much time on it. So, all right, that's our little like kind of mini free agency preview. Um, just keep in mind, like you know, those mid level free agents are where the Seahawks live. They love to bring in a guy at every position. And then let that so that that we're covered everywhere. We have a we have our full starting lineup ready to go. Uh, we have a playoff caliber starting lineup before the draft starts. That's that's their goal always. Yep. And then they can just kind of pick the the best players and and kind of bring them in to compete. That's their goal. I really I really like it. I think that's so, a good strategy. And I I think we'll our roster will be filled out with mid level guys. The question is how many how good can those mid level guys get? Are we at the top of the mid level <sighs> guys? Or are we at the bottom? Because the Geno contract is what's going to determine that. If the Geno contract is cheap, we can get some of the I better think guys. You're right, though. The Zach Allen, like that that idea of of the world of being being stern with our money, having a having a line and don't cross it. I don't think we're going to do that, but man, it it makes some sense. What's gonna What's the What's the worst that could happen? Okay, so let's say we we tell Geno, you know what, twenty millions or twenty million or kick rocks. Like you can you can go go find a better contract if you if you think it's out there. We're giving you twenty million a year. And what's the worst that can happen? Oh, we end up having to sign Jameis Winston and draft a rookie. Like, okay, I don't think that's a lot worse than Geno Smith, to be honest with you. And if you think I'm crazy for that, please come tell me. But I don't think it's nuts to go Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton, even Andy Dalton, Andy Dalton or Jameis Winston and a rookie and a rookie to compete with them. That that's fine. That's you know what that is. That's 2013. Okay, that's what we're. That's where the Seahawks were. Okay, we had um, Flynn. Flynn. Matt Flynn and Russell Wilson. I could totally see us, you know, Jameis Winston as our Matt Flynn and our Russell Wilson is Anthony Richardson. You know, it's like, great. Bring in the Darnold. Kevin tried to sneak that in here thinking we'd, thinking we'd wrap it up. I didn't up. say that. I didn't say the, not the Darnold, maybe the, the Dalton, the Red Rifle. Anyway. There are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so right at patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest for as little dollar 24 a month. Join the Discord. Uh, hang out with us. Thank you to those who support the show. Emmanuel, Andy, Brett, Cooper, do it all for the Tucci, Evan, Flock to Miss Gavin, Greta, James, Jost, Joshua, Lucas, Rad Dad, Nikki C, Ryan, Timothy, Astro, Blake, Bob, Casey, David, Daniel, Foles, Jay, Michelle, Mike, Mike, Richard, Thomas, Warwolf, Return of the King, Brandon, and Nick. All right, let's go. Um, so this is Valentine's Day. 2023 my son's birthday he turned five today he's going to kindergarten next year i'm so excited but really i thought it'd be fun if we did not movies about good oh wait what are, are what are, okay we have two options here we gonna do charles bronson or are we gonna do movies about bad relationships let's, let's do the movies about let's bad. Do charles bronson. whoa let's, no kevin you gotta charles decide bronson. kevin you gotta decide I got it because I got a, okay. I have a great uh, movie about bad relationships. I've been waiting to. Oh, okay. Let me, let's, you let's know what? Let's just let's just cover let's just cover bad relationships and then do Charles Bronson. I agree. We could do it. We could do a two minute take on it. We could do that Charles Bronson in two minutes. I'm um, okay. All right. Well, okay. Hey, so, we got something for the um, ladies. If you, something for the men. We're gonna, so we're gonna so ten to midnight <laughs> is the Charles Bronson movie we're gonna do. And if you don't want to get spoiled, we're gonna put it at the end after the. But Play you Five wanted movie. to get and spoiled. no one's seen this movie. Yeah, and no one's going to see this movie. Go. Go watch 10 to Midnight so you can it's hear on Tubi. Kevin and Aaron. It's, it's on, on Tubi, Tubi and if I were to tell you it's worth your time, Nathan, keep going. <laughs> Let's finish your sentence. All right, Eric, you got your you got your movie about bad relationships. You're ready. Toxic. Faye five. Faye five. Toxic relationships, bad relationships. 
put on film. What's your what's your bad relationship movie that's in our fave? I think this five? is on everybody's fave five when they talk about uh, a movie about a relationship, about a loving relationship, a movie that guys say, oh, that was enjoyable. It's got people I like in it. And a movie where women say, oh, that movie is so funny and so sweet. The most toxic movie of all time. I present to you Overboard with Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. <laughs> Dare I say, I do not want to, okay. I don't want to offend anyone. Good choice. But guys, is this the greatest rape movie of all time? Oh God. Oh, I'm God. serious. I wonder, oh, we're no. talking about toxic movies. Now you say, Eric, that was out of bounds. I, I didn't think we were going to be doing an overboard versus high plains drifter debate on guys, a movie club. Hey, so we'll just not guys, talk about this. This is like, it is as toxic as it gets. So quick, quick recap. If you don't understand what this movie's about, it's about a carpenter who gets screwed on a, uh, on a project by a rich woman. On a private, on a private yacht. yacht, and uh, you know he's really mad. He gets screwed out of this. She wrecks his tools. She doesn't pay him. He, uh, she throws him. Title of the movie overboard. Okay, and then it's found out that she's missing, and she runs up in like a sanitarium because she goes overboard. She hits her head. She doesn't know who she is. Rich, yeah, and her rich husband didn't claim her because it turns out that she yeah sucks. they they hate each other and they're rich and miserable. So to get back at her. He he takes her home. He says, oh, this is my wife. And he has to do a lot of chores. But then here's where I mean, if this isn't all messed up as it is, it gets even worse because they fall in love. Guys, very toxic movie. Uh, continue with the list or comment. I mean, it's basically the same as the uh, Sandra Bullock movie where she ends up uh, telling everyone that she's like uh, the fiance of the guy in, the, in a coma. It's, side, right? it's, it's functionally the same movie. Yeah um and uh yeah in both cases it's really creepy and just not acknowledged for the everyone loves this movie and i'm like can i can i ruin it it's it's got problems it's it's Um, it's got some funny parts the kids are weird it's got okay you guys want my you guys want my answer to this because i'm gonna make some people mad yep you you ready okay my uh favorite toxic relationship movie is the breakfast club okay because that guy is just the guy is just negging and sexually harassing that woman, Claire, or the girl Claire. Oh, for the Judd whole Nelson movie. To, and, to uh, Molly Ringwald. Yeah, exactly. Judd Nelson's just being like a like a terrible person. He like looks up her skirt at one point in the in the thing. Um, he's just constantly harassing her, <laughs> and uh, and she's only and, dating him to make her parents mad. It's definitely going to go really poorly. The Seahawks yeah, nest destroys toxic, your eighties favorites. It's toxic toxic relationship to the max. Good movie, good movie, but man, that's a that's a toxic relationship um so yeah there you go that's my uh that's my my movie i'm adding to the list the breakfast club uh kevin what you got uh i'm going to add to the list a movie that is about toxic relationships but it is aware of the toxic relationships despite people consistently claiming that it's not and that is scott pilgrim versus the world oh okay um so scott pilgrim is a movie that either uh, there's one segment of people they completely miss the fact that uh, it's a movie about uh, Scott Pilgrim having to realize that he sucks. And then at the end, by realizing he's a terrible person, he's able to start growing as a a person. Um, So there's the people that miss that. And then there's the people that miss the fact that um, Ramona and Scott Pilgrim are terrible for each other. And they both realize it. She realizes it before he does because she kind of already had that like base level of personal growth, but they both have to deal with the baggage of all of their terrible toxic relationships before they can really try and move on and be anything that resembles a remotely healthy couple. Yeah. And Scott, Scott, the whole movie is just Scott realizing that like, yeah, I shouldn't date nice because she's like way too good for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like the point of the movie. All right. You guys ready for some, some options for, uh, for our last two? Yes. Make them all uh, good like Kevin's. Mid- Midsummer. Oh. I think this is a slam dunk. <laughs> I take it back. I take it back. The, boy, the, boy, the boyfriend in Mid- Midsummer sucks. He is an emotionally abusive a-hole. And then we got Danny, dude. And yeah, it's just like 
Um, well, and then it doesn't exactly go well from her perspective either. So, like, the all around, very toxic. That's, bad relationship. Just a bad relationship. It's not a good relationship for anybody. I are, you guys, are you guys in for Midsummer? I think that's very good. worth considering. What else you got on the list? Um, Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind, obviously. Yep. I think that's like an obvious. Uh, How about her? He wants to have sex with a computer. That's impossible. It's 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 problematic. But I don't want to blame like the computer though. Uh, I don't want to. Yeah, I, I didn't say that she was the problem. I said, <laughs> I said him wanting to is the problem. How about, how about Fight Club? <laughs> that's <laughs> like, a, like that uh, relationship that's between the relationship between Tyler Durden and uh, and uh, what's her name in the movie? I can't even remember. Uh, the, the lady who just plays the, the weird lady. Anyway, that, that relationship is pretty, pretty toxic. Hello, Modern Carter. Yeah, pretty toxic, dude. Pretty toxic uh, relationship in uh, in that one. Ooh, what That's, about every Park Chan-wook movie? Yeah, sure, yeah. Much. I, I actually was going to bring up some Park Chan-wook movies. <laughs> uh, Gone Girl, too. Pretty, uh, pretty, to- yeah. pretty toxic. Oh, I did watch Apparently. Decision to Leave, uh, which is Park Chan-wook's newest movie. Um, it's definitely about a detective falling in love with a murder suspect. And uh, it works really well, and it's definitely a problem. That body of evidence. Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast, good one. That's got to be. Hold on, that's got to be syndrome for kids. That's great. That is in the top five. It's got to be. It's a classic. I'm I'm down for putting. I'm down for putting Beauty and the Beast and Midsummer in in the five. Midsummer, dude. Midsummer. Midsummer made me laugh so hard I can't not put it in. What about what about Uh, modern romance? 500 days of summer is pretty, pretty toxic as well. The guy just like obsessed breakups. Like, um, so like the thing about that movie is like, okay, breakups, you know, sometimes like one person's over it and the other person's not. And, uh, like that is such a, like a, um, interesting take for a movie, but man, I just, that movie makes me, I I said the title wrong, but guys, what about true romance? And I don't mean between (laughs) Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette. I mean, between everyone watching, and uh, Drexel and Spivey, Gary Old, yeah, and Gary Oldman. <laughs> because because no one should love Drexel, but guys, I love Drexel. Wait, what about talk... what about Rebecca? The Can we do one... uh, the Hitchcock movie. I want to do one minute wow. on Gary Oldman, just really quick. One second, one thirty seconds. You can't, on Gary you can't do Gary Oldman in one minute, but by all means, try. Okay, Gary Oldman is in an Apple TV Plus show called Slow Horses. You have to watch this show. I read the first book like, in that series. It's really if, interesting. If you like Gary Oldman, which I do, you are missing out if you are not it's watching the show. One of the best show. actors of our generation, man. It is awesome. He's basically Dr. House for spies, just like pissed off all. But he's not like, you know, Dr. House is like an a hole because he's smarter than everyone else. Gary Oldman just wants to maintain the, the. <laughs> what the status quo he does not want this his situation so to he shit. plays the main character he's like the old guy at, at slow house yeah he's like the, yeah okay so so i read the first book and it's this hilarious thing of like he could advance but he has this really comfortable position exactly. and so he wants to make sure that no one advances because exactly. it has to stay exactly the same because the other it's people, most comfortable for him. The other it's people so are, are trying the other people are trying to do extra work and stuff and he's They're like so stop. flawed. Stop. <laughs> stop what you're doing. I don't no. We don't do that here. <laughs> it's just so awesome. It's like and there's there's uh two seasons now and they're doing four and Gary Oldman said he said if the rest of my career is just me doing this show, I'm okay with that. So I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah sweet this is awesome because this show rules hey, so um, good. yeah basically he's saying like he'll do as many seasons as they want like he does he's he's in for every season they want to make of slow horses and that is it is excellent it's so one of the better modern spy books that i've read too so thanks for bringing up gary Ullman. anyway our fave five was uh midsummer beauty and the beast uh breakfast club <laughs> this is this is a fave five problematic relationships uh kevin's was scott pilgrim and Eric's was overboard. Uh, overboard. Overboard. Oh my gosh. And, oh, was it overboard? <laughs> <laughs> I'd say we, we got there on problematic relationships. Oh, yeah. these, these are, very, the darkest movie club. All right. But speaking of problematic, we're bringing it out of the gutter. We're problematic. We are bringing it to the ten, sunshine. Ten to midnight. Starring. It's always <laughs> darkest just before ten to midnight. <laughs> Charles Bronson. So uh, the. The tagline for this movie, you guys ready? You guys, you guys know uh, the tagline for this well, movie? Well, I know what I know what it should be. I know be. what I want to yeah. say. A, a cop, a killer, a deadline. What? <laughs> that's, that's, that's the tagline, dude. 
tagline should have been his knife was a penis. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. Um, here, I'll read the, let me read the, the, the description. Then you guys can add as much. Yeah, give it. Warren, Warren Stacy, an office equipment repairman begins murdering women after they reject his advances to minimize the evidence. Stacy always kills while naked, wearing nothing but gloves and further evades the law with his strong alibis. Veteran detective Leo Kessler is convinced of Stacy's guilt and begins using questionable methods to catch him. All right, go crazy, go crazy, y'all. So imagine a somewhat typical '80s slasher movie, but it's filmed from the perspective of the loose cannon detective that has been dispatched to track down the slasher, and that is what this movie is. And if that pitch is interesting to you then you might actually really enjoy well, this movie and don't f- because its slasher sensibilities are really like solid. Yeah, don't forget these. What's up with Gene? What's up with Gene Davis playing like the, like he was like, wasn't he like a killer in cruising too? The, See, the I didn't Pacino think this movie? guy was in anything else. Yep. He was also in the hitcher. Oh boy. That must oh be his gosh. thing. So he was, he was a, he was a cop in the hitcher though. I think it could have been. Well, if you also like uh, all the slasher scenes being shot from the naked buttocks, of the slasher, then this movie <laughs> of, of G, that's of not G true. The movie may also that's be not for true. You. you either get a gratuitous guy butt or from the eyes of the killer. Wait. Those are the two shots. Yeah, and so I guess the problematic things with this movie. Where to begin? Um, bad police work. The movie. <laughs> bad police work. The fact that every woman in this movie is uh, just incapable of acting with common sense or any sort of common sense. Uh, <laughs> it and I think it all comes down to uh, what can Charles Bronson do with a gun in limited amount of time. That's basically the the impetus of this movie. See, I thought what? like from a police procedural perspective, it was pretty solid. What in a way, Wilford I totally was expecting. What does Wilford Brimley do in this movie? Uh, Wilford Brimley is, uh, I believe, is the captain. Yeah, he's right? he's more or less like. A, just that guy in the background who shouts orders, kind of like he was in. Um, I also like his name is Clem Malone in this oh, movie. What a like, name! That's a great between fake this name. and the uh, the client. Wait, what was the Tom Cruise? The oh, firm. This is, between this, this is, and the firm, it's his best. This is roles. Can- Wait, you, you didn't tell me this was Canon Films. It's all everything you've said so far makes sense now. Charles Bronson, a guy killing people with his knife penis. Like this all makes sense now. There is this. There is a scene during an autopsy where they, you know, talk about the. This is where Kevin and I just we love it so much. Where they're (laughs) like, you know, they're doing the autopsy and it's like, you know, who would do this sort of thing? And Kevin, Kevin, what, what, what does he say to make Charles Bronson say this? I well, I can't remember the triggering line, but the whole thing is like. It's Charles Bronson sounding and looking and being Charles Bronson, except he's supposed to be like the Sherlock Holmes of this town. And it's, it's there's insane. Nothing, so what was the there's phrase? nothing to figure out, really. And but then the autopsy, the guy's like, eh, I don't know why this guy's butchering women to which Kevin Charles Bronson says deadpan in all seriousness. <laughs> well, you see. The knife is his penis. And then it's like a quick cut. Like you're supposed to watch that and nod your head and be like, oh, he's figured it out. He's figured out who this guy is. It's the most absurd movie. If not for the gratuitous butt shots and stabbing of uh, naked women, it would be made for TV because the other people in this are all made for TV people. The uh... <laughs> yeah, it's it's like trauma does a Hallmark movie. I don't know. Yes. Man. It's it's crazy. <laughs> I, a lot of the reviews are like, this is death wish six, but it just has like, it just has like a little, uh, th- 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 slasher. It has the, it. it's so it's, it's different though, because like death wish did not handle the procedural cop or the like slasher at all. This actually does both of those really well, except Charles Bronson is playing his character from death wish. It's, it's weird. It's like they teleported Wait. him into a different movie and we're just like, do Charles Bronson. There's stuff. only one murder yeah, though. He's right? a rogue he's still a rogue he's still a rogue cop that can't be and stopped. And it's that's you know? the end of the it's movie good. to spoil it, and you guys may want to turn it off if we haven't got you there already. Um it's basically <laughs> they they catch him and he's they've caught him. They've got all the proof and he's like, I'll get out. The chase scene. Yeah, the chase scene naked where it's basically just jogging at night. 
uh, around a block. Yeah, they're basically they're running down the middle of a road and like the helicopters in pursuit. So you really don't even have to be chasing him. at this Yeah, point. And the, the guy's running and the woman's kind of skipping and looking back and like going, ah, but ultimately they catch him and he's like, I'll kill again. You can't keep me in prison because apparently killers who kill 17 people can get out in a year. Uh, well, he's basically explaining why he's going to be able to get a uh, uh, insanity defense. Yes, but and then and so he's explaining his insanity defense, and then Charles Bronson shoots him in the head right as all the cops arrive, and that's how it ends, which is the perfect ending. Well, does he say something like, "No, yeah. you won't. No, you won't." <laughs> the end. Okay. All right. <laughs> this is this is my favorite review. Okay, you ready? It's by Liz on Letterbox. It says. I don't even want to try to understand this film's politics. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. All right. So for Kevin, for Eric, we will see you guys next week. Go Hawks.